Well, friends, if we haven't met, my name is Adam, and it's my joy. It's one of my favorite parts of life, truly, uh, to be a pastor here. I also want to say hello to folks that are worshiping online or to folks who will experience this message later on in the week through our podcast or on our website. Lent is a funny word. It can mean a lot of different things, depending on how you spell it. Right? We have Lent traps, Lent rollers. I think those are with an I. Lent also is the name of a church tradition of the time leading up to Easter. It comes from a Latin word, which means spring season. And it's a, it's a time where Christians take a journey of inward reflection and repentance. This way we don't just skip to the good part of Easter, but we consider the journey Jesus took to Jerusalem before his crucifixion and his victory over death and the resurrection. And so during Lent, our series From Two is focusing on journeys, spiritual journeys, that disciples make. A disciple is someone committed to a process of transformation into the image of Christ for the sake of others. I just think there's a couple important words in this concept. That discipleship is a process that doesn't typically happen just in a snap overnight, but that it's something we are committed to over the long haul, this process of what? Of becoming more like Jesus, of transformation into his image. And not just for ourselves, but for who? Also for the sake of others. Now that sounds like a very seminary definition because I've patched that together from several things I heard in seminary. So maybe an even better way to define a disciple is with some adjectives. During this series, we've been looking at the fact that disciples are on different journeys. We've, we've got a slew of them here. We started uh, with the journey of repentance and reconciliation, moving from enemies of God to friends of God, and that that journey doesn't end just spiritually, but also with people, that we would move from being people's enemies to being people's friends. Jesus told us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Sometimes we wish he didn't, but that's a journey disciples need to go on. We've talked about moving from being self-centered to Christ-centered, on a journey of desire, that that's part of Christian maturation. We've talked about, last week we went on a journey of forgiveness, moving from being forgiven by God to forgiving others. This week we're going to talk about what it means to be on a journey of generosity, moving from a consumer to a contributor in the community of the church. And next week we're going to look at what it means to be on a journey of leadership and move from guest to host. So I can, you know, talk about a process of transformation into the image of Christ. Maybe a simpler way to define a disciple is by how they could be described. Repentant, selfless, forgiving, generous, and that they're leaders. These are what define being a disciple. My pastor in St. Louis has been a mentor to me for a long time. His name's Mike. I used to hear him say, Christianity is a lot like a bike. You're either moving forward or you're falling off. So these are about our journeys as disciples. As we move forward as Christians, our priorities change and new opportunities present themselves. My son recently had an opportunity, his first house-sitting gig. Now he's in third grade, so just met a few little things around the house. Our neighbors uh, are great friends of ours, and they were leaving town for a few days. And so it was so kind for them to think of Aaron and asked him to, you know, feed their fish, get their mail, 
get any Amazon packages inside, keep the porch pirates away, that sort of thing. And they also, kind of almost as an aside, said, oh yeah, and if you can take our recycling and trash bins down to the curb on Tuesday, that'd be great. And Aaron was like, yeah, I can do that. And I had this epiphany. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this? Wait a minute. If Aaron can take the neighbor's <laughs> trash and recycling down, he can take ours down. And like this whole world of possibilities opened up to me because I've been underutilizing helpful hands at, at the house. This parenting thing's finally going to come back around, right? Here we go. Now, I have discovered my children handy for certain things, and they in turn discover they like being compensated for certain things. Like in a pinch when I need communion help, I call them my communions. Check it out. There they are. Communions. Their little fingers in those little cups. It's just great. So it's been cool as my kids have grown. They're capable of different things now. And friends, that's a lot like what the journey of discipleship is like. What I hope we'll discover together as we study God's word is that maturing Christians don't just consume, we contribute. The second half of the Bible is called the New Testament. And it's a library of different types of books and all types of genres. And besides the first four books, these biographies of Jesus' life, those are called the Gospels. A lot of the New Testament is made up of epistles. Now that's a fancy word. And these are letters. It's a correspondence between the apostles who uh, were the ones Jesus sent out to continue his work. It's a correspondence between the apostles mainly and these early Christian communities. So we get to, to see or read one side of the conversation being had in the early church. And so our scripture today comes from the second letter, which was addressed to the ancient church in Corinth. That was a city in Greece. So this is where we get the name 2 Corinthians, the second letter to the church in Corinth. The author, Paul, is making an appeal to the Corinthians for a generous offering to help the church in another part of the world. We read this in 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So especially in an agricultural society, this image of sowing and reaping, harvesting, would have been readily apparent to anybody who heard it. Now Paul has a way of implying things beneath what is stated, right? Like I don't know if you've ever experienced this or maybe you've had a spouse say, you know, oh, you don't need to get me anything for our anniversary. You definitely need to get them something for our anniversary. You know, Paul kind of does this. I'm not going to tell you to be generous. You should be generous, right? He's... He just, he is, he's got a gift for this. But he's not doing so under like a threat or with an obligation. I think we would all agree that an invitation is greater than an obligation. And when it comes to approaching this, the subject of generosity, generosity, we should do so joyfully. You know, I, one of the things that's a, a quirk of mine, uh, my wife actually audibly protested last service. But like, I don't like obligatory holidays. Like, I don't think Valentine's Day, I just, I don't like to be forced into, well, this is what you need to get your spouse. This is the one day a year when you should be nice to them. Or like Clergy Appreciation Month, somebody decided that's October. You want to appreciate your pastor? Come to church. You guys are doing great. Uh, so that's, that's, that's my problem. But I'm not sure God is interested in obligatory gifts either. 
God loves a cheerful giver, we read. The motivation and the gift are connected. We read on in verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. How do you view your possessions and your finances? Do you view them with an open hand? Having received as you cooperate with God? Or do you view them with a closed hand because this is a solo venture? I would suggest that whatever we do to earn money or to earn a living, these gifts and abilities come from God. And so we trust that God has provided the means to make a living and that God will also provide the means to be generous. I love this. So that in all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. And so our generosity is a cheerful response to God's provision. Now I want to be very upfront that I recognize talking about finances and connecting those with the church can be uncomfortable. I recognize that. Now I think one reason, one theory I have is, is because of the nebulous nature of so many other things about spiritual growth. Right? If we looked at that chart from earlier, like it's hard to put a number on how forgiving you are. It's hard to put a number on how repentant you've been. And I think part of the reason we don't like talking about generosity is because we can be exact about how generous we are. We can chart out every single penny. So we don't like it because it's so easily observed. Now I also recognize this may be difficult to hear, a sermon like this, from someone who benefits from it. I get that. And so I want you to know, as your pastor, I would not talk to you about something you should do that my family does not do. And so throughout 2023, Sarah and I will give $16,000 to our church. That's 11, a little over 11% of our gross income. And so what are the two most impolite things to talk about? Money, uh, let's see, money, religion, politics. I'm only going to talk about two today. So I, I understand this is a strange cocktail sometimes, but this is not awkward for me to talk about because it's not hard for me to talk about because I do it. And as your pastor, I would expect you to expect me to do it. So I slept just fine last night. I want you all to know. It's been hard for me uh, to do, and I think it's important. I think it's important to our lives as disciples. And I think there's four lenses we can view this concept through, generosity to the church. We can look at it a few different ways, naively, cynically, practically, and theologically. Naively, we can think, well, all the stuff at church just happens. Practically, we understand that all the ministry at church has a cost. Cynically, I'll use my cynical voice here, all the church does is talk about money. All they, all they want is your money. And theologically, what I'm trying to present is that the gifts you have aren't just yours, that they're God's. So for the naive, I'm trying to use that, I'm trying to think of a gentle word. I'm not sure that's real gentle. Just nothing just happens. I mean, even, I mean, even the oil that keeps those candles lit, we got a bin in the back because we have to order it. I mean, every single little thing. The, the microphone Dustin so eloquently delivered our offering with. It, we didn't just just gets delivered here, costs money. I mean, I don't need to go into that. Y'all, we understand that. 
But sometimes people think of the church in a different category than every other nonprofit ever. Everything costs money, and that's a practical fact, that ministry costs money. Now, for the cynic, if this is your first time at our church, it may sound like all we talk about is money. But I assure you, that's not the case. I give a sermon like this about twice a year. Not because we're desperate for cash, but because I believe the journey of generosity is an important one in the life of a disciple. Living with the view that your stuff isn't just yours is a better way to live. Jesus' ministry was fueled through the generosity of donors, including women, which was exceedingly rare in the first century. And we see the same dynamic later in the New Testament. That's what we're reading about in 2 Corinthians, that people are generous to give to ministry elsewhere. So when we view all of our means as more than ours, we're simply giving a percentage of those gifts back to God. You hear me say some version of that all the time. When I was 19, I remember coming home for Thanksgiving break, and it was great. People did my laundry. People fed me. They were just excited I was around. They were just glad I showed up. And then over time, in my 20s, I began to think, hmm, it occurred to me that maybe I shouldn't just show up empty-handed. I could at least bring one of those little canned cranberry sauces some of you wackos like. Some of you monsters. Now, at almost 39, I don't just show up to eat the turkey. I smoke the turkey. I don't just show up to Aunt Linda's house. Thanksgiving's at my house. And here's the thing. I love it. It's one of the highlights of the year. And so you know where this is going. As we mature, we go from simply consuming to contributing. And the same is true in discipleship. So how do we do that? I'd propose there are five levels on this journey of generosity. And so I want to lay those out for us this morning. And I want to recognize and be sensitive to the fact that folks are in different circumstances in different seasons of life. But I'm here to invite folks to take a step of generosity and faith within these levels. Some of us are at the point where we give nothing to the church. That's the first level. And the reality is the practical fact is if this was true, if everyone simply consumed and no one contributed, we wouldn't have a church. Pretty self-explanatory. Other times we give something. This could be uh, kind of whatever we happen to have on us. Something. Maybe you hear about a specific need. Maybe the announcements. Oh, I want to I give to that, which is great. So we come to church and we give something based on kind of what we have on us that day. I believe everyone is capable of giving something. And whatever that something is represents a sacrifice. So please don't underestimate the move from nothing to something. It's a, it's a significant move. And what God does is multiply all of our somethings together into something even greater. Now, beyond something, we can grow towards intentional giving. This is where our journey starts to pick up with intentional giving. This is where giving is a planned percentage of our income. Going from nothing to something, big step of faith. I had a good conversation with a friend last week about how moving from something to intentional is a massive step in faith and in commitment. Now, sometimes people will ask me, well, Adam, is that, what that's, what's that percentage of? Is that a gross percentage or a net percentage? And I'm here to tell you, I don't, I'm not stressed about it. I just don't worry about that. Just give a percentage of something. I try not to get too caught up in that. Now, others of us make an increase in our percentage going from, you know, 1% or a fraction of a percent 
and we'll increase that over time. That's another massive step in faith and generosity. That's why I love the fact that this is a process. We're not saying this happens overnight. Because over time, we can move to tithing. That's the biblical principle of giving 10% back to God. And again, you won't be surprised to hear this, but my belief is that your tithe is what goes to the church. There are no shortage of amazing causes in the world. We have people that are deeply committed to these, and I, I think their leadership is amazing. But the tithe goes to the church because of the church's specific mission, to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. So my family, like I'm guessing yours does, has things we, we enjoy supporting, but our priority is the mission of the church because it's a unique mission. Now, beyond that 10% mark is extravagant giving. That's where we continue to evaluate our finances and how blessings can flow from God through us to others at 11% of our income and beyond. Now, notice what word is not on the screen. The word sacrificial is missing. That's because beyond nothing, everything on here is a sacrifice. We all know we've got plenty of options of what to do with our money. Every cont contribution is sacrificial. It contributes to the multiplying of gifts together. In last year, we had 44 new givers. And so far in 2023, we already have 13 people that have gave for the first time in our church. Now, I talked about one way to view this as naive. I don't want to be naive either. When eggs are five bucks a dozen, this is a little bit tougher of a sermon to give. Now, somebody told me in between services that Aldi, they're $1.99. So, free tip from me. But I want to be very clear. I'm not asking any family to be destitute so that ministry can thrive. But when things are hard, that doesn't make ministry less important. It makes it even more vital. Right? Like the kids we sponsor in Haiti, when their government is in shambles, they don't need less support. They need more. Our Garden of Eden, it's not less important because times are hard. It's more important because people need more access to fresh produce. On a spiritual level, the world isn't any less hostile. There aren't less people in need of good news. There are more. When we think about baby grace and partnering with young families, are diapers and formula less expensive or more expensive? More. Yeah, I'm not trying to trick you. And so that ministry is all the more vital. So when things are tough, that doesn't mean that we can be like, well, that's how it goes. And so this is where our trust and faith comes in. It's our vision as a church to be a community of unlikely friends following Jesus together. I, I just got to tell you, in between services, I had a moment where my five-year-old daughter was in the lobby and she said, oh, hold on, mom. I got her to say hi to my bud. And she went and found Miss Lou. Lou and my daughter, best buds. Unlikely friends, right? Where else could my daughter come to love someone like Lou? That's just off the script because this just happened. I mean, this is just a great picture of, of the Christian community. Now, the way we want to accomplish growing a community of unlikely friends, following Jesus together, is we try to concentrate on three things. There's three things we want to help people do. Know Christ, grow together, and go serve the world. And when you choose to be generous, these are amazing things that can happen with each of these concepts. In 2022, we confirmed two students. We had seven baptisms last year. 
Next month, we'll have an opportunity to confirm four more students. These are students making a commitment of faith. And we're also offering baptism the week after Easter. So if you want to add to that number, see me after service. So we're going to have an opportunity for people to say yes to Jesus. What a great way to, to follow up celebrating Easter. Already in worship this year, in 2023, we've had over 400 folks on average, over that, well over that, sometimes approaching 500. Plus, every week, we're seeing another 115 people either worshiping online, shout out, or experiencing the service through our podcast or through our website throughout the week. That's like another service. But it's like you don't even, it's hard to tabulate unless you see the web analytics. Because, friends, because you give, in a few weeks on Easter, we'll have a 1,000 people roll through here. That's one out of 10 in Kearney. That's insane. That's incredible. Yes. And so how amazing that God could use your generosity for our church to have this type of proportional impact in our community, helping people know Christ. When we think about growing together, this is just in two months, in the months of January and February, we've had over 225 adults in groups participating in a different type of group. This includes affinity groups, which is like a common interest, study groups, studying the scriptures together, community groups, focusing on uh, uh, growing spiritually together, and support groups, finding support in all types of phases of life. We have a brand new Alzheimer's support group that started last month. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous is a staple at our church, helping people recover from addiction. There's more groups than I could name. My, my sermons are typically four pages. This one's into five. I couldn't, I, could, I, I couldn't get them all in unless it was 12 pages long. I couldn't do it. There's so many to name. Plus, between Sunday morning and Sunday evening, we have an additional 60 kids and students learning about Jesus and growing together in faith. Our kids and student ministries are ever-expanding. We had an amazing jingle jam last December, and this place was packed out with tons of kids participating. You heard about VBS. Thank God they didn't ask me to put on a headband and run around. Okay? I'd still be out of breath. Uh, We'll have over 120 kids at VBS this year. Best week of the summer. I also am thrilled to tell you that recently, through a generous donation, our church was able to purchase a bus. And already, like, the vision for this is, is coming to fruition. Dustin likes to say youth ministry grows on wheels. He likes to get students out, not just here on campus, but out and about. And so I'm so happy to tell you that already now, because of this bus, we have middle schoolers and high school kids studying the Bible before school. I'm only here at 8 in the morning because you pay me. These students come to McDonald's at like 7 a.m., and then there's 15 of them between middle school and high school. This just started, like brand new. And they're already like out of space at McDonald's, man. Yes. And the people said, I'm loving it. Right? Like, and, and then they get, they get bused to their different schools, and they think it's awesome and hilarious because the bus does, still says Chillicothe on it. And so they're like, the kids are like, I'm a big deal, man. I mean, it just, just what an amazing thing. What a privilege that God would use your generosity to foster environments where people are growing together in faith. And some of these kids you may never meet. 
These kids aren't all the same ones that come on Sunday nights either. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. Your generosity helps people of all generations grow spiritually and form community together. And when we think about going to serve the world, here, I just, I just had to put up there locally, regionally, and globally because I couldn't fit all this stuff either. Because of your generosity, our church is an asset in this community. I am proud, I'm so proud that we're a polling place for elections, that the Red Cross regularly hosts blood drives at our church, and they're some of the most consistent and successful, and that we can host things like next month through the Kearney Chamber of Commerce, of which we're a part, that we're going to host a hiring fair at our church. And so employers from all over Kearney and Clay County will be in here and, and receiving applicants and helping make connections and network. Your generosity keeps this building from being a fortress where we hide from the rest of the world and hunker down, and instead, it's an asset in our community that we are here, we're showing people, we're here to invest in Kearney and for the well-being of everyone, that our doors are open to whosoever would come. And your generosity extends much further than these walls in this sanctuary. Our outreach ministries touch lives daily. Again, I don't even have time to list them all. Just recently, we're doing like top of mind stuff. Uh, a deck was built for Hillcrest Hope. That's an organization that helps people go from a homelessness to sustained living. Just recently, last week, or the week before, families were fed at Liberty Treehouse in, at Liberty Hospital, and, and they're staying on site because their loved ones are receiving treatment. They get a warm meal from our church. You heard a little bit about Whittier Elementary, where at Christmas, every student gets a sweatshirt, and throughout the year, every student gets celebrated uh, for their birthday, and every student can earn incentives uh, with good behavior for fun stuff that our church provides. We talked about baby grace coming alongside young families that are resourced and cared for. I don't have time to name everything that goes on in the KC area. And the generosity of our church extends beyond Missouri. You're going to hear more about this on Easter, but for the past 12 years, we've partnered with Friends in Haiti to meet educational needs. Last Throughout this year of 22 and 23, our church has sponsored 46 students and their education. And so as you can see, I'm not embarrassed to ask you to give. Do you like helping kids go to Arkansas to serve others? Do you like helping folks get baptized? Do you like helping folks crack open the word of God and grow spiritually? Do you like helping middle school kids have a place where they can belong? Do you like helping children understand from the time they are tiny that they are loved by God and God's child? Do you like having a place where we can experience the excellence of musicians as we worship together? I do. I love it. And so what we're doing is not out of guilt or obligation. I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm here to give you an opportunity, an invitation to do more than consume, to contribute. To contribute that ministry that, friends, only happens because people give with cheerful hearts. And that's what every disciple should do. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this community of faith. Thank you for the faithfulness you've shown for a century and a half here in Kearney. Thank you for providing us the means to try and tap in to do what you're blessing. That we could be an influence here in Kearney and beyond to be bearers of your good news, to be ambassadors for you. 
God, thank you for the trust that people place in your church and the trust and faith they put in you that your provision will continue. God, help us to evaluate our ability to participate and contribute, not based on what we don't have, but based on what we do. So that we might believe, as we read in the scriptures, that you have equipped us for all things so that we might abound in every good work. God, thank you for a place that is not simply inwardly focused, but for a community of unlikely friends that wants to see the circle of your love and grace grow wider and wider. God, thank you for blessing our church. Help us to be faithful to what you're calling us to do. Help us to take a step of faith every time we choose to be generous. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.